Good morning, and uh, welcome to the practice, being aware of awareness. Perhaps it's available right from the jump to notice that the presence of awareness is here. Even if it's a super busy mind or super heavy body day, something notices that. There's a presence which illuminates that feeling, those thoughts. So we're just relaxing back and noticing the presence of awareness. Expectations can be a funny thing. If mind is kind of in the driver's seat and the thought is that awareness is a thing that we can go find or see or get or even go be, that might prove frustrating because awareness isn't something we do and certainly isn't something we get. It is what we are. And so the being aware of awareness is a very simple recognition that awareness is here. and that the presence of that awareness is knowable, cognizable, recognizable. And we, and we recognize it as present. We recognize it as presence. And what we may be able to notice is that attention can land on the recognition of the presence of awareness. 
and there may be some period of time where that recognition lingers or even remains more robust. And next thing you know, what's noticed is that attention's up on the bird sounds or down in the body or over to a thought. And unlike what mind says, which is some version of you lost it or you're not doing it right. That is in fact a critical part of this process. And it's super helpful. Because there's always one fundamental question, which is, what sees that? What sees that attention went up to thought, out to the bird sound, down to the body, to some thinking about yesterday or what's going to happen later today? What knows that? Because as soon as it's noticed, we have a direct path back to knowingly being aware of awareness. Some part of us is always aware of awareness. But it is, it is the knowingly aware that allows the resting, allows the recognition. And that, that sense of doing has an opportunity to cease. It may not, but it may. And what catches that? Awareness, this presence that is always here in all times, in all places, in all circumstances, under all conditions. That's why we call it the real. Nothing real can be threatened. Thoughts don't threaten the real. It is the real which is aware of the thoughts. Emotions don't threaten the real. It is the real that is aware of the sensations and of the corresponding terms in the head called emotions. The labeling that can be so helpful to allowing attention to land and to really be with something. Foundational to that is not what we do. Awareness, 
It's what we are, awareness. So I'll ask a question I was contemplating earlier. Can you separate yourself from awareness? Can you separate whatever you take yourself to be? That doesn't even matter. Can you separate it from awareness? Another way of asking that, can you, if there's any sense that of uncertainty that you are in fact awareness can you if you're separate from awareness right now stop being aware just for a couple seconds Can you hit the kill switch on awareness? Can you make it cease?
So when we knowingly rest as the truth of what we are, mind can make up what that will look like and feel like. And those expectations can really be a quite a barrier to what is an incredibly simple recognition. That awareness is present. It's always been present. And what we are in our most essential quality, that which if it was removed, we would not be said to be who we are, what we are. We are the presence of awareness. It is that pure light of knowingness that shines on all forms, all experience, and gives it, gives it its life, its energy, its, its potentiality, its vitality. And many times this presence of awareness gets colored or intermingled with whatever it's shining on. If it's a, a thought that has some deep grooves, neuroplastically speaking, or, or emotions that, that are very, very familiar. There can be a seeming blending of awareness of what we are into that. But that is always temporary. Nothing awareness touches experience-wise or knowing-wise has ever affected the awareness itself. The awareness is in the same condition, same unaffected state. This Monday morning, in the middle of June, as it was six days ago, six weeks ago, six years ago, six decades ago. Nothing that has ever happened during the course of the story of the character's life has harmed this awareness, has curtailed it, has shrunk it, has dented it like the hailstorms of life come, we do not get dense in our hood, on our roof. So awareness is unaffected. Nothing real 
can be threatened. And nothing unreal exists is simply a pointing to the fact that everything that is not this, not this what we are, not this true nature, not this awareness, everything else has a beginning and an end. And so it's not said to exist in the sense of having no beginning, no ending, always present, changeless, never harmed, never conditioned. You know, awareness has no battle scars. It has no history hanging off of it. Awareness has no stories weighing it down. Awareness wears no masks. It has no subterfuge, no coping skills. It just is. It just illuminates the present moment such that experience is available. So this path, excuse me, this path of capital S self-realization is realizing that the aspect of us that never changes but is always present always in the same condition, never harmed, never altered, that that fundamental quality is what we actually are. Not the sum total of today's combination of thoughts or feelings or attributes or habits. That's all the changing. And more and more identity shifts to what we are as what we are, which is the changeless. The changeless through which the changing can be seen and known and felt, heard, experienced.
And we do this in part by recognizing that our true nature is always present. It may appear to be in the background when a lot of tension goes to, to the thoughts into different forms, different manifestations, but it is that by which we can see the different forms, the different manifestations. None of that scene is available without our foundational aspect. This light of true knowingness, this awareness. So habitually stepping back. This is the way of heaven. So one of the ways we kind of sense into our true nature is what is here before the person, this body, mind, personality. What is it that sees the body? Because the body doesn't see the knowingness, the awareness. It is the awareness that sees the body, knows the body. Watches this very changeful body change.
And the reason that it's called true nature is because, well, first it's true, right? So the definition of true is that it's always present in all circumstances, times, places, under all conditions. The body's never in the same condition. The mind is never in the same condition. And the personality, depending on who's around, what's going on, what kind of music playing or not playing. I mean, there's all different aspects coming to prominence, receding back into the background. It's only that which sees it that is the constant. that is said to be true. And then nature is it's not contrived, right? It's not conceptual. This isn't a concept we're talking about. It is natural, what we came in with. I remember the first time I went to the retreat house for the very first retreat, which was a self-inquiry retreat. We contemplated Ramana Maharshi quotes. And I was struck by how simple his definition of our true nature is, which he calls the I-I, which can sound confusing, but it's a very simple test. Did you come in with it? Everything that was added to you will eventually be subtracted from you. That's the nature of form. What you came in with is what is true and what is your nature, what is natural. So it's just a very simple definition for recognizing our natural state. And the natural state of our natural state <laughs> is, is open, is it not? Is empty.
and, and there just aren't any bells and whistles with open and empty. Unless, of course, the experience is, has been one of contrast, closed and really, really full, and then open and empty sounds like, you know, midnight at the oasis. Yeah. Send your camels to bed. Root spira is fond of stain. But the taste of tea is more exotic than your true nature. And what's always helpful to me is to recognize it's not something new, right? It's not something I've gained. By definition, to be our true nature, it has to have always been here. So it is certainly not a mystical experience because no matter how fabulous they are, they have a beginning and an end. This is that which illuminates those experiences and illuminates confusion, illuminates frustration, illuminates joy, illuminates confusion, illuminates a deep, deep sense of not knowing, illuminates a, a crisp, clear certainty. Awareness has no favorites. It illuminates it all. It's open to all, empty for all, and can be filled by all. Accepts all, allows all, welcomes all, releases all. And there's another aspect to our true nature. And that is that it's whole.
There's not the sense that something's missing. There is no this and not that. It is somehow just this and all of this. All of the that's get encompassed in the this. And because of this wholeness, because of this allness, the divisions, which are you know, kind of a favorite tool of the mind, and, and certainly have their usefulness, those divisions fall away as it's all included in the all. It's not that you can't make distinctions between things. It's just the recognition that the true nature, the wholeness, includes every bit of everything, no matter what label or division, side or partition can be assigned. Those labels lose their meaning. Divisions are created by the act of thinking and by the senses. If you take away the senses, take away the thinking, all of that was added on, right? We're back to Ramana Maharshi's definition. We eliminate the add-ons. In some respects, the only tool for discernment we ever need to know truth is did I come in with it? Did I come in with this? Or was it added on? I don't have to know when or where or by whom. And what remains 
when we let go of what was added on, the divisions and the forms that come with thinking and with the perceptual apparatus, with the senses, when we remove all of that, what is still here? What is foundational? What is essential? What is the essence of what we are? What remained would be undoubtedly present, but without division and form. It would be undivided, formless. It would be one. That's being. That's the one being, God's being, if you wanted to use religious terminology, shining through all 8 billion body-mind organisms. God's being, reflecting and recognizing, acting and interacting. So we don't have a direct experience of our being. We are the direct experience of being.
and this being the wholeness, the completeness, the fullness has no limits, is limitless. What, what could limit the all? Which is not to say we can't have experience of limits, because mind will kick back up. But what experiences the limits? Does what know the limits? Does what knows the forms? Is that limited? One sense directly into what is true, right? What has always been here, what we came in with, what is natural. Can we, in our direct experience, without going to mind or a concept, find a limit? Find a boundary.
if it had a boundary, it would not be formless, would it? It would have a form. And if it had a form, we could find it. We could know it, it could be knowable, empirically verified in our own direct experience. Whereas in our direct experience, when we really look, we don't go to mind for the answer, but when we look, can you find a limit? Have you ever, or do you now, have any evidence that what you are in your essence is limited? Now juxtapose that empirical undertaking with the question, is what you are open? Can you confirm that? Is what you are expansive? is what you are spacious. Is what you are whole. Can you confirm that that which truly is just is without form, without shape, without boundary, without limit, at least not a shape, a form, a boundary, or a limit that we can find in our direct experience? Because we're not going to concepts. We're just not interested in that. We're interested in an investigation of what we can verify for ourselves, as ourselves. That's one of the like truly cool, miraculous aspects of awareness. It has this internal self-swivel. It can see itself. 
it can investigate its own true nature. We didn't learn that. We came in with that. <laughs> it, now, it may take some repetition to have that be something that can be accessed easily, sure. But that innate quality that awareness has to be self-aware of itself, yeah, we didn't do that. No one taught us that. That's one of the many miracles of awareness. It is not a thing, but it is that by which all things are known. It is not a substance, but is that by which all substances can be tasted and felt and experienced. And the presence of itself can be verified by itself. Another way to say that. That doesn't sound so incredible, is that awareness is self-aware, has the innate capacity to be aware of itself. But it is due to this inherent capacity to be able to know itself, examine itself, that we can in our direct experience investigate whether we have any evidence that awareness, what we are, is limited. Is it not awareness itself that confirms there is no direct evidence that awareness is limited? We don't go to mind for that, do we? It's a knowing, it's a confirmation that arises. It's like truth speaking to truth, awareness speaking to awareness. The beingness, being aware of its own essential nature. Confirming it again and again. 
and by seeing what we are not, any form, any limitation. We are a cooperative component in allowing identity, that which we identify as, to shift. from the untrue identity, the limitations of the forms, to the true identity, that which always is, changeless, no beginning, no end, not affected, never affected by anything. Nothing can harm it, nothing real can be threatened. God's being shining through all of us. formless, undivided, whole, and knowable, confirmable, recognizable, realizable, by itself, to itself, as itself. <laughs> And we get to watch. As we are that knowing. We are that being. We are that truth. We are at the end of our hour. <laughs>